This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. everybody welcome back to the WOMED we have a very special guest with us today her name is Lauren Link and she is a dietitian for Purdue University and just an all-around complete badass she has written two books the healthy former athlete and from athlete to normal human I'm just in awe of anyone that can get write a book because I'm like trying to write a book right now too but I've just heard so many great things about you and like the work that you're doing with the athletes and stuff at the school. So welcome to the WOMED. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And I'd like to say that I'm just in awe of every college athlete that I've ever known, basically, because you guys work your asses off. I cannot believe what you do and you still go to school. And it's just yeah. ridiculous. What, what did you play? I played soccer. Oh, you're amazing then. My God. <laughs> <laughs> you're definitely amazing. My God. In the best shape anyone could possibly be in, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm in less real. shape now than I oh. used to be. But yes, <laughs> I was in pretty good shape back in the day. Same. Struggling with like not doing ballet and cheerleading anymore. <laughs> right. My God. So we start off every episode with a lubrication question just to kind of lighten the mood and get everybody going. And it's usually like a would you rather, just something fun. Okay. Ooh, which one do I want to do today? This might totally bomb, and it might be really funny. I want y'all to think of the absolute worst superpower you could imagine having. Worst? Worst. Hmm. Uh, like, if you can fly, but you can only fly like an inch off the ground. Oh, that's like basically like those motorized scooters at this point. Yeah. <laughs> Mine would be hypersensitivity to smell. Oh, I'd Ugh. rather just die. Oh, yeah. To be able to smell everything at like an increased scent, like, ugh. Oh, yeah, that does not feel like a superpower. No, that'd be terrible. I was going to say x-ray vision would be cool in like for a minute, but then I feel like you would also see some really gross things too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's totally true. That might be a kind of bad superpower to have. I'm not interested in that. (laughs) Why? What's yours? Fly an inch off the ground? Yeah. Or like you can only, you can hear anything, but like, you have like super hypersensitive hearing, but only when you're sitting in the bathroom. Oh my God. You'd sound like you'd feel like a schizophrenic or something like that. Yeah. Like it'd be awful. <laughs> Seriously. I've never thought of it that way. Where'd you get that question? It's a game my friends and I play sometimes. <laughs> Lauren, why don't you tell us a little bit uh, about what you do? Okay. Well, I'm the director of sports nutrition at Purdue uh, for the athletic department, obviously. And I think when people ask me what I do, I mean, it's a hard question to answer because it's always different. Like every day is so different, which I like. What don't you do then? (laughs) Um, I mean, we don't sit around and just like write meal plans for every single person that we see, or I don't know. I I never know what people think dietitians do necessarily, but (laughs) our day for sports nutrition, our day is a lot of definitely one-on-one consults with athletes. So Mm You know, we do a lot of that and you never totally know what's going to walk through the door when your athlete sits down. They might have a really simple question about gaining weight, losing weight, what to eat before a game or practice, hydration, you name it. Or it might be something totally off the wall. Um, 
we see a lot of medical nutrition therapy. So even though our athletes are healthy young people, they still have a lot of GI issues, um, food allergies, you name it. Um, we have a couple diabetic athletes. So there is a lot of medical nutrition therapy that works its way into it as well. Um, we do a lot of team education and it's not very formal. People probably picture our athletes sitting in like a classroom and we have a PowerPoint. That's the rare case. More often it's grabbing the team for three minutes before they start a lift in the middle of the field or something or in the middle of the weight room. Yeah, we do body composition testing, hydration testing. We do a lot of food service actually. So oh, wow. we try not to do that much ourselves. We try more to delegate to students and things, but mm -hmm. um, people probably don't realize that college sports nutrition at this point involves overseeing a massive budget and a massive food service operation. So you're wow. feeding hundreds of people multiple times a day, all day long, it feels like. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, that was a really kind of all over the place answer, but that's kind of how my day feels a lot of times is all over the place. Oh, wow. Do you do nutrition for all of the teams or just do you do nutrition for just certain teams like track or like, um, you know, football soccer, or... women's soccer or something like that? Do you do football too? And, you know, male sports as well? Yep. So we, so I oversee the operations for all of our teams, but I'm one of four dietitians on staff. So we all work with, at this point, about four to six different teams. Um, so yeah, we, we cover all of our teams. Uh, I specifically work with football, men's basketball, women's soccer, and women's volleyball. Oh my God. Um, you have like the coolest dietitian job I've ever heard. All the dietitians I yeah. work with adjust my tube feeds on my <laughs> patients that can't eat anything yeah. and add like protein supplements and like, like stool bulking supplements. <laughs> so like yours sounds way cooler than what yeah, I'm accustomed to. Way different to. than NICU too. Like they're, they're, I don't, I don't honestly, they were all on day shift. So I never got to interact with any of the dietitians. <laughs> yeah, Danielle never so. even saw a dietitian. <laughs> yeah. Right. I did work clinically before I got back into sports nutrition. So I have lived the tube feed life. Oh, you have. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and some of that. But yeah, I mean, it, it's a cool gig for sure. There's positives and negatives to any job. Of but, course. Um, but it's fun. It's a fun environment. Noom, 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 noom. Noom. <laughs> I was super excited. I was just listening to Dak Shepard's podcast, The Armchair Expert, free plug. And he was talking about Noom as well. So I was like, heck yeah, Dax is on the Noom train. Yeah. And you know who else is? Jenna Kutcher on the Gold Digger podcast. Love it because it's awesome and it actually awesome. works. It is. So Noom is an all-in-one app, meaning... You have your exercise program, your meal program. You also get an awesome like life coach that pushes you along in your, your journey to your wellness journey. Yeah. And it's not a diet. It's easy to stick to. No foods are off limits. And if you slip off of your plan a little bit, Noom doesn't shame you because let's face it, that's real life. And sometimes we do great and sometimes we don't. And Noom only asks you to commit 10 minutes per day, which is perfect for you and I both. Yeah, we can all handle that. Yeah. So what have you been doing with Noom lately? We've been using Noom for quite a few weeks now. We have. Um, I've been getting better about um, tracking my weight and tracking what foods I eat and like how those foods are actually making me feel. And that's been helping me like, okay, well, maybe this food isn't quite as good for my body and I should substitute with something else. So it's been really cool. They've been sending a lot of articles lately that I've been reading. That's 
funny because you do the you are so much better at the things that I am not good at. So you do those things and I'm much better at like the on the journey to like find time to exercise. Like you mm-hmm. exercise too, but you do more detaily things. Whereas me, I'm just really proud of myself if I can make it to a yoga class or a boxing class. I'm really proud of you. And yeah. So I started boxing uh and I'm really liking that like punching things <laughs> in a class. It helps. <laughs> yes, no, it totally helps. It totally helps. So if you guys are interested, you don't have to make a change all in one day. Noom really likes to focus on small steps, make the biggest progress. So today you can sign up for your free trial at noom.com slash WOMED. Once again, that is a free trial. Sign up today. Go to noom.com slash WOMED. That's N-O-O-M dot com slash WOMED. You really don't have anything to lose. No, not a thing. Not a thing. So go to noom.com slash WOMED to start your free trial today. Noom, N-O-O-M dot com slash WOMED to start your free trial today. How'd you decide it, Decide that like sports nutrition and stuff was something that you wanted to go for? I had a pretty good idea even early in college that I was interested in it as an athlete in college. Obviously, that was part of it is just kind of seeing the difference that nutrition can make with performance um, and that can have on a team's, you know, performance overall. Um, But when I was early in college, the job I have right now practically didn't exist. Uh, There was, I think in 2005, give or take, which would have been right before I started college, there were five full-time dietitians at the division one level, which is kind of crazy to Mm -hmm. think about because now we have four, right? Just at Purdue. Um, So it's totally exploded. Wait, in all of the Big Ten schools, there was only four dietitians? In the entire country, not just the Big Ten. Holy shit. Outrageous. You can swear I cannot if you believe need to. That. Yeah. Or if you <laughs> swear and you know. regret it, you can take that away too. <laughs> yeah, we can, we can bleep it out. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it was like a non-existent thing. If, if teams did have a dietitian, they might have been part-time. Uh, they might have just been on a consultant basis where they came in for a few hours a week sort of deal. Yeah. Uh, the whole full-time, like living it every day job was really, really rare. Wow. wow. But now it's totally exploded. And I think, again, off the top of my head, guesstimate would be that we're probably approaching like 200 full-time dietitians at the division one level. And that's wow. just collegiate. Obviously, professional sports have dietitians, mm-hmm. the Olympic sports, um, military is actually really growing for dietitians. Wow. So, yeah. What do you think led to the shift in that? Because that just seems like that exploded just kind of over the last like 10 years that there's been more of a focus on athlete sports nutrition. Yeah. So it actually, there's a very pointed thing that happened, um, which sports fans might be aware of, but um, a player after the final four uh, in 2013 or 14 made a comment how they went hungry at night. And so if you're a sports fan, you're probably, Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. So um, he made the comment that, yeah, there are hungry nights and, basically started this whole wave of talking about like, are we taking care of the athletes in this way? They get all these benefits, but there were so many kind of crazy in hindsight rules in the NCAA about feeding athletes. Mm-hmm. So you could only feed wow. an athlete one time a day. Um, what? And only certain sports were really very privy to that benefit, basically your revenue sports. Uh, and so it's kind of crazy to think we asked them to do all this stuff 
and they can't even get fed. You're talking about the school, like providing food for them, like a meal? Correct. We could provide one meal a day. Uh, And then there were some snacking stipulations. We could provide certain classes of snacks, um, but it was so regulated and you're not going to believe me, but down to the point where we could provide fruit, nuts, and bagels. We couldn't provide like English muffins. It had to be a bagel and it couldn't be toasted and it couldn't have a spread on it. So an athlete could get like a a dry untoasted bagel (laughs) Um, (laughs) and things like granola bars and protein shakes. So there was, you know, it wasn't just those three things, but just about. Um, Wow. And yeah, so these kind of ancient rules had been around for a long time. It got people talking when that athlete made that comment and that totally blew it up. And then in August of 2014 is what, is when deregulation happened. So in our world, deregulation is like this big, crazy thing that happened um, where they basically got rid of most of the rules around food. There's still a lot of rules around supplements, um, Mm -hmm. but around food specifically, I mean, they practically lifted it off completely. And so overnight, almost, it felt like we went from being able to do very little to -hmm. being able to provide, you name it, multiple meals a day, snacks, Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Within budget, though. Well, right? right. You had to have a budget. Certain schools, not surprisingly, were able to do a lot more very quickly than mm-hmm. other schools. I mean, you had to come up with millions of dollars overnight, wow. in in some senses. So, deregulation is absolutely what has sparked part of the growth around sports nutrition. And then I think from there, like that was kind of the um, the initial flame, if you will. And then people start seeing the benefit. Mm-hmm. And start understanding how a sports dietitian can function as part of the entire team and as part of the care model within sports medicine. And so it's really grown from there. So deregulation sparked it. But I think the fact that athletes are starting to understand this is important. I notice a difference when I fuel my body appropriately. Uh, I think all of that has led it to continue to grow. Wow. I had no idea. I had never heard anything about this. This is not something that I've ever looked into before. That's I I find that completely outrageous. Like lately, my boyfriend and I have been talking about this argument about paying college athletes and who should get paid and who shouldn't. And I have very, I'm very opinionated about it. Um, But he, he likes to sometimes say that why shouldn't football players be paid if they're the ones that are pulling in all of the, you know, uh, revenue essentially. Mm-hmm. And I say, well, everybody works extremely hard, you know, all athletes, especially female athletes who don't get the damn glory that they deserve. And if <laughs> mm-hmm. we just pay the football players, then we're basically going to increase the problem that we have with female athletes being recognized. And so if we're going to pay people, we should pay everyone and blah, 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 blah. And I go on and on and we rant about this. And then he's like, you're right. And I know I'm right. And whatever, but I'm willing to hear all arguments. But with that being said, I had no idea that there was a period of time where athletes were not getting like meal cards or something so they could eat, you know, because I, that just seems like a no brainer to me. So I'm really glad that it's changing. Yeah. Um, But at the same time, I'm like, a little bit outraged, like, not to mention the amount that athletes eat is insane. Like, how could you even afford it? Like, have you ever seen what Michael Phelps eats in one day when he was training for the Olympics? Yeah. Insanity. Like, like chicken out the freaking whatever, like ton pounds of chicken. Like, I cannot believe that these people were actually like hungry. Like this blows my mind. But so I digress. Anyway, (laughs) thank God you're here. 
<laughs> yeah, it's gotten a lot better. And it's worth noting too that, you know, athletes had kind of depend there's so many factors but you know your scholarship athlete it's not like they weren't getting any meal swipes at a mm -hmm. dining hall and things like that mm -hmm. but then it all depends on once they are off campus and then they're just getting a check are they using that check appropriately not always I see. right um walk-ons walk-ons don't get any money but um, you're doing all the same practices and such right Okay. Exactly. So, so yeah, there's all kinds of sides and arguments, but definitely I think um, most people could agree that we, we were not doing enough in regards to fueling athletes and helping them fuel their bodies. Danny, do you ever buy something online and then find out you could have gotten it for less? Yes. It's like, <laughs> it's like worse than when you get fully gowned up into your MRSA patient room and you like start caring. You're like, oh my God, I have to itch my nose. That's the that's the worst or answer your phone. Yeah. Like you're getting paged. <laughs> yeah. But luckily you and I both jumped on the honey train and it's a free browser extension that saves you time and money when shopping online. And it installs in like two clicks. They don't sell your data, but it's so awesome. They scan the internet for coupon codes and other discounts. And then like magic, it automatically applies the biggest coupon code to your shopping cart at checkout. It's true. I am a longtime Honey user. And in fact, I used it last night. I yeah. bought I bought a bed at West Woo! Elm. Yeah, so it was a big purchase for me. It took me, it's taken me a couple of weeks to commit to this bed. Yeah. But then when I got it in my shopping cart, my shipping and handling was $299. And I was just like, this sucks. Like, this is so much money. And I realized I had forgotten to apply the Honey discount. And it saved me over that. That's amazing. The honey discount. Yeah, it was like 20% or something on the bed. It was a ridiculous amount of money. So it made me feel a little bit better about buying this expensive bed with insane shipping and handling. So <laughs> thanks, honey. I mean, that's really amazing. I mean, that's like... It's serious money. You basically were shopping like normal and honey found you huge savings. Yeah, huge. Hundreds of dollars. I mean, that's gotta, that's yeah. gotta feel like when you get the call before work and you're like, oh my God, am I gonna get granted off? And they're like, you can take first off and you don't have to stay on call. Like, that's a great feeling. That's the cherry on top. Yeah, <laughs> it definitely is. So listen, there's no reason not to use Honey. It's free to use and installs on your computer in just two clicks. Get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash WOMED. That is joinhoney.com slash WOMED. Again, that's joinhoney.com slash WOMED. And thank us later. What is your education for this? What, what is the degree? Just is it dietitian or like, what do you guys have to go through to get there? Definitely, you have to have your RD credential. Uh, so that involves an undergrad study in dietetics, a year long internship, usually unpaid, which is a bummer. Mm -hmm. um, and then you have to sit for your board exam to get your RD credential. And then from there, so I am also a certified specialist in sports dietetics. And I think I would say it's like not, it's pretty common for a sports dietitian to hold the CSSD credential, although you wouldn't necessarily have to. Um, and that involves being a practicing RD for two years, accumulating 2000 hours of sports specific practice, and then sitting for that national board exam. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. That's a lot. I mean, understandably yeah, quite a bit so. Goes into it for sure. But that's definitely a lot. 
and going forward in 2024 or starting in 2024, um, you'll have to have your master's as well to sit for the RD exam. Okay. Gotcha. Wow. Okay. This is going to be so informative. Like you're the first dietitian that we've had on. So I'm really excited about that. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. For sure. sure to spread the knowledge. There's so many things you can do in healthcare. You just can't even keep up with it. Yeah. For sure. But I know everyone's going to be like, wait, no, I want to work for some sports teams. And- <laughs> yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Because <laughs> people are going to want to know, like, well, if I want to work for a college or a sports team or something as their dietitian, how would you even go about doing that? Like, do is there people need to have like an in with somebody? Do they need it? Does your internship need to be specifically in sports medicine or or you just go online, you search like who has an opening? (laughs) Yeah, that's a good question. I would say, I mean, definitely the more experience you can get, the better, which is probably Mm -hmm. true of any setting. But sports, I think, is just continuing to be more competitive because even though the jobs have grown substantially, it's still a pretty niche market. You know what I mean? Um, the total number of jobs respective to dietitians is still really small. Um, so there are starting to be more and more opportunities, I think for undergrads, uh, at least here at Purdue, we have a class that I actually teach along with another dietitian on sports nutrition, and they can really most of their opportunity to get points in the class is volunteering with us. And I'm sure there are lots of hands-on experience kind of opportunities like that for undergrads, especially because in our setting, at least with collegiate, we need the hands-on power, the manpower. Mm -hmm. Um, So everybody's always open for volunteers and interns and things like that. Um, When it gets to your dietetic internship, I think for sure, if you can get at least a brief little snippet of sports nutrition, if you're interested in the profession, that helps. Uh, I did my, everybody has a short chunk of their internship at the end that's it has lots of different names mine was an engagement rotation um where you kind of just chose what you were interested in to get you know some more specific experience in that realm so i did mine in sports nutrition uh which that was a great you know experience and in with certain people um and then from there it's really just like any and all experience you can get Um, whether it's volunteering with people, shadowing certain sports dietitians, you name it. Um, I think at this point it does take early in your career, being willing to like do some of the work for free or for Mm -hmm. a low pay, um, just to get your foot in the door because probably more than any other setting, sports is definitely about who, you know, to an Mm -hmm. extent doesn't make it right or wrong, but definitely it's a very small community. So if you can start networking early, that's huge. Um, So I always tell students like networking and experience are by far like the two things that will get you in, in one of those positions eventually. Gotcha. That makes sense. It's like that everywhere with everything. I feel like to, you know, and your experience and willingness to do things for free or at a low uh, pay <laughs> sometimes for a period of time. Right. So what led you to writing your books and what are the topics of your books? And, um, yeah, what motivated you to do that? A really quick clarification first, and this is confusing. They're really like practically the same book. Mm-hmm. Um, I just switched publishers. Oh, and okay. That, okay. Gotcha. 
Yeah. And that involved a title change and a cover change, which is very confusing. Um, okay. So I apologize. I always am trying to have to clarify to people. Okay. Um, That's a fine. We'll, we'll clarify that in the notes. I mean, one book is just fine. (laughs) I mean, it's still a huge deal. (laughs) Yeah. We still think you're pretty great. (laughs) I appreciate that. In regards to what led me to write the book really was my own experience. Um, So when I finished playing soccer here at Purdue, Mm-hmm. I had this off semester. I was not going to start my dietetic internship until the fall. And I had an extra fall to play soccer. So I had a spring where I was like, man, what am I going to do with my time? Um, and going from athlete life to literally nothing mm-hmm. was like a huge change. So in part of my downtime, I blogged a little bit. Okay. And that blog at the time was called From Athlete to Normal Human. Because I just thought like, how strange is this transition um, and I'm going to write about it. Well, so, I can only imagine like you're, you're probably not working out the same You're, but you're still maybe like hungry for the same amount of food. Yes. That's one of many, many challenges that I, <laughs> that I see. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the blog was kind of just me. I mean, it was meant to just be entertaining and I don't think anybody read it except probably my mom or somebody. <laughs> um, and well, there'll be more of, people checking it out. Yeah. Now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, would just write about things that I felt like, huh, I would have never thought about this, you know, like as an athlete and what a weird thing. Um, And then I started working obviously eventually. And I started noticing a lot of my athletes coming back and talking to me about the same things. Um, Mm. And I think people just don't really think about the transition. So like as an athlete, you spent your entire life doing it for the most part, especially if you've gotten to this elite level of playing, you know, at a college, um, especially a big, program. And so most of us have played our sport since we were like three or four Mm -hmm. and it's all you've ever done. Um, and obviously it lends itself to a lot of awesome experiences and skills that you gain and so forth. But I mean, yeah, you mentioned the calorie deficit piece of it. Um, it's really hard to maintain your level of physical activity even if you have totally good intentions of doing so, mm-hmm. some people finish and the last thing they want to do is ever do their sport again. Um, I think of like swimmers. I mean, they spend six hours a day in the pool. I know swimmers that get done and they're like, hell no, I am not getting back in the pool. Mm-hmm. Like I have no interest in that. And other yeah. people, you know, might continue their sport recreationally or whatever, but um, anywhere in between, it's really hard to maintain the same caloric expenditure that you have been. Mm-hmm. So that means an adjustment in your diet and a lot of athletes, you know, the hunger might be the same as it was when they were an athlete, but their expenditure is way down. They might just not have the skill set. especially now. Think about how much I just told you that we feed them. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them don't have to learn the skills that you would historically learn in college. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So their, their cooking skills and their meal prep and grocery shopping and all that stuff never really developed maybe like it should. Mm-hmm. Um, which is something we as a department are trying to fight against. Um, yeah, you, is that wow. one of the things that you're working on with them? Yeah, we definitely do a lot of education around grocery shopping. We'll take them on grocery tours. We'll do food demos, things like that, because uh, I do think it's important to learn those yeah. skills. And those athletes are lucky to have you, girl. I hope they <laughs> know. <laughs> if anyone's at Purdue listening to this, <laughs> you think sure Lauren, big time. <laughs> send them their way okay. um, so you can tell them. But yeah, so like those are just a couple of the challenges. So oftentimes, you know, athletes will see weight gain after they finish. Even if they don't see weight gain, your body changes a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I finished, I lost two pant sizes 
And it wasn't because I lost a ton of weight. I just lost a lot of muscle. Yeah. in my legs, um, because I wasn't squatting four times a week or whatever it was. So, um, it's just kind of bizarre. I always thought like, Oh, I can't wait till I lose my butt when I'm done mm-hmm. with soccer. And then I lost my butt and I was like, Oh my God, this is where to go. Good. I don't- <laughs> like, wait, yeah. I want my butt back. But- <laughs> and that's just like one piece of it. That's just the body composition and nutrition piece of it. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of athletes don't know how to work out, which sounds crazy because that's all they've been doing, but they've been coached to do it. Um, So it's like, how do I develop my own workout plan? How do I do that with the injuries that I've sustained over the years? I mean, you name it. Um, Some of them just aren't motivated at all because they've had a coach hanging over their head, making them do something for so long Mm -hmm. that when the extrinsic motivation is gone, there's just like not a lot of intrinsic drive to do it. Yeah. Um, how to make friends as an athlete, you've been dropped in an immediate peer group your whole life yeah. uh, on a team. So a lot of them struggle with like, okay, so how do I meet people if I'm not just like showing up in the locker room with 20 best friends? Um, so. No, it's so true. That's seriously. I feel like that with nursing, when you become a nurse, you instantly have 50 friends, like instantly. Right. But mm-hmm. then when you're not, you know, even when I became a nurse practitioner, there's just fewer, like there just aren't as many of us. And I was like, all right, well, what do I do now? You know, the nurses uh, aren't my friends yet. And the nurse practitioners, there aren't very many of them. And they all are like married with kids and stuff. And it's just like, what do you do? I don't know. I mean, I can't imagine being an athlete, like that's at an exponential, you know, rate of what I experienced. But that's so true. I never thought of that. So Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of challenges for sure across the board. And obviously with my book, I focus mostly on nutrition and fitness because that's Mm -hmm. my realm and my area of expertise, but it does hit a little bit on just some general life things like how to make friends and, um, finding an identity. Oh my gosh, that's a huge one. So most athletes identify strongly as an athlete. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if I walk up to people, I would have said, yeah, I'm Lauren. I play soccer. That's like the first thing out of my mouth. Um, because it's what you've done. It's what you're so ingrained in. And then when you remove that, it's like, what am I? If I'm not a soccer player, what am I? And obviously I felt better off than maybe some people do because I had a strong career path. Um, you know, I, I identified in a lot of different ways, but it is hard to remove that identity piece. And I think if you consider the revenue sports, the football and basketball players who have a strong possibility of going professionally, you know, to play unlike women's soccer, which is not, not nearly as uh, lucrative of a business. Um, they sometimes have put everything on that chance to go pro and then they don't. And it's like mm-hmm. not much else right. to them at that moment feels like they identify with. So when I was at Purdue, I took horticulture 101 with all the football players, just throwing that out there. Horticulture 101. Love it. I never took that. And I bet they never became horticulturalists. (laughs) (laughs) I bet you're right. Just thought I'd say that. (laughs) (laughs) So what do you identify with now? If you say my name is Lauren, I am what what do you say? I think definitely career is strong for me. Um Mm -hmm. so I probably would lead with like I'm a sports dietitian. Um Mm -hmm. but I am lucky to have, you know married to my husband. Um, that's a strong mm-hmm. piece of my identity. Purdue is a strong piece of my identity because mm-hmm. I've been around here for basically forever. It feels like, um, <laughs> I have great friends, you know, I mean like friends, family, my husband, Purdue sports, nutrition, you name it. Um, so a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I feel lucky in that way. And I think, um, 
I think people probably have more of those things than they realize when they finish playing their sport. Um, but it takes some like coaxing out of them to maybe identify with some of it. Yeah, definitely. I just never, I never considered it. I never considered it at all. So I feel like it's just hard enough for, I don't want to say regular people, but like people who aren't involved in it. Like when I used to run cross country and play soccer, I wasn't bad. I mean, I obviously like I could have walked on to a D1 soccer school like that was my level. I wasn't I had a chance of getting a scholarship, but I wasn't going to like I didn't have the passion. And after I tore my knee to shreds and then my other knee to shreds running like I just don't I still don't know what to do to work out like I I do classes now, but I just like hate it. I like soccer. I liked running. And I still just am like, all right, what do I do? Like I try and do yoga. I try and do these boxing classes now because it turns out I really like to hit things. But <laughs> I just like, it's not the same. You just feel lost. I can't imagine doing it on a D1 level your entire life. And then it just being gone. And you're like, what? Well, what do I even do now? You know, but, right. um, but anyway, I think it's, it's amazing what you're, you're doing like you have the coolest freaking job like that is so freaking awesome I just like never I'm just like so pumped I'm like why didn't I do that like that's so cool <laughs> so cool so like what are the for you know I guess this is it's kind of general but like I'm just curious what you recommend for somebody to eat in one day like I'm curious about like a particular meal plan for a particular athlete like what do you actually recommend you know, like, what are they like what for do you a guys... football player? Like how many calories do they have to get in yeah. in a day? So for football, a really low calorie suggest, like I would probably never suggest less than 3000 calories for a football player. And that would be one of the smaller guys who's maybe trying to lose weight. <laughs> um, okay. I have recommended upwards definitely of like 6000 calories. Wow sometimes wow. even close to 7,000 for like a bigger Whoa. guy who's trying to gain weight. Um, yeah. So it almost becomes for those guys trying to eat that many calories, it's almost a chore. It's a job, um, man. Yeah. So and so it, it gets exhausting for them. Wow. <laughs> but then I feel like you'd be so full. Like, can you work out like on a full stretch? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, honestly, a lot of the discussion that we'll have with those kind of athletes uh who are trying to get so many calories in is how do we manipulate the calories to not be like a huge bulk of food mm, yeah because imagine if you ate lean proteins and fruits and veggies and that's all you ate i mean it would take like a barrel full of food a day to get seven thousand yeah. calories so we talk a lot about uh you know utilizing healthy fats so mm -hmm. like peanut butter your best friend, like put it on everything, mm -hmm. um, nuts, seeds, olive oil, like you name it. Mm -hmm. Um, we try to squeeze the calories in and honestly, it oftentimes I'm totally fine with that population, like eating a little less healthy. I mean, I still want them to get the basics and I want them to eat healthy overall, yeah. but I'll tell them all the time, like condiments, boom, use them more cheese. Perfect. Put it on there. Um, beverages are huge. Like how I love can, to hear how can that we you can eat more cheese. <laughs> I can't. She's from Wisconsin. <laughs> I can't and I shouldn't, but <laughs> yeah, we definitely tell them like, go for it with the cheese. Um, and like beverages are huge. How can we get more calories through beverages? Because that doesn't always feel like as much food in their stomach. So 
milk, chocolate milk, 100% fruit juice, smoothies, protein shakes, oh all of those things. God, what a dream. I still can't I know, imagine right? getting like the calorie content of that up to 7,000 calories. Though. That's insane. That's so much food. Wow. Oh. Yeah. And they struggle for a lot of them struggle really to gain weight. And I always yeah. joke with them like, man, that was my job. I'd be so good at that. <laughs> now, do, <laughs> your, do your female athletes have that that same kind of issue? Or do you feel like with the female athletes, it's more of like trying to maintain? Because I can't imagine too many women like wanting to like put on gains, you know, but well, like besides like muscle gain, you know, but. Yeah, it depends a little bit. I mean, it's definitely less common. Um, yeah. More more commonly for like the big weight gain goals would be football, basketball, some of those sports throwers. Yeah. Um, but definitely there are situations where female athletes need to gain weight or are trying to gain weight. Yeah. Um, but more often it might be less about weight gain and more just about getting enough calories in to maintain and to support yeah. performance. Uh, because if you think about even the small cross-country runner needs thousands of calories a day. I mean, easily mm-hmm. 3,000 calories a day when you're running 50, 60, 70 miles a week. And same with swimmers. I mean, our distance swimmers, they need like a tube feed continuously, I feel like, because they just burn their calories. So a lot of times it'll just be like talking to them and mm-hmm. trying to help them understand how much calories we're talking. Um, because... Not surprisingly, a lot of female athletes are just like any other female. Um, And, you know, they do have body image idea of what they think they want to look like. Um, Mm -hmm. And so a lot of our goal with them is helping them navigate like, yeah, we understand that. But our goal with performance, we have to fuel enough um, to make sure that we do maintain weight and that we're at a healthy weight and that it supports performance overall. Wow. Yeah, no kidding. And I think to your original question about what does a meal plan look like for an athlete? The one thing I would say is that that's probably one of the bigger misconceptions that people have about what we do, which would be like, Oh, you just like give everybody a meal plan. Right. Um, the thing I would remind people of is that at the end of the day, our athletes are still college students. Uh, you know, they're 18 to 22 year old people who are Mm -hmm. living in an apartment for the first time. And Mm -hmm. so to put most of them on a meal plan that says eat this, this, this on this day and this time is just not realistic. Right. That doesn't mean that we never do it. And we certainly, you know, we have athletes who want that and who will follow through with it. And if that's the case, we totally will. Um, Or if we have really specific goals and a timeline that we're trying to get to, we might hunker down more and say, okay, like let's really get a plan going. But for more common situation um, would be that we try to just help them understand like general purposes like are we missing any meals okay if so let's work on that how can we figure out how not to miss that meal um just getting a balanced plate we talk a lot about performance plates and how we should always anytime they sit down to eat have a carbohydrate a protein and some kind of fruit or veggie like that Mm -hmm. in itself is a big improvement for a lot of athletes when they get to campus um so a lot of times we might make our conversation more general and help them understand some of those general fueling tactics before we yeah. jump into like a really specific meal plan. Do you feel like most of the students like male and female are like very receptive to like what you say and to have you help them get to where they need to be like they believe you like even though like you're a female dietitian trying to help this 
football player, like gain a bunch of weight? Like, do you, have you ever faced any like issues? I think for the most part, our athletes are pretty bought in. I mean, you're always awesome. going to have some athletes who are like, eh, forget that. Like, I'm not mm-hmm. doing that or mm-hmm. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Um, but I would say the majority of our athletes are pretty bought in. And, okay. and if they don't start that way, they usually by the time they're maybe juniors or seniors have kind of started to like finally get it. Yeah. Um, probably the biggest the biggest um, challenge for me is not so much like working with male athletes. Um, I think football especially I vibe with them pretty well. My husband mm-hmm. played football here at Purdue. Oh, awesome. um, so I can kind of talk the talk, you know, yeah. in some way. But I think the bigger challenge is so many of our athletes, just like any big program, they were the best in high school. Yeah. Um, that's why they're at Purdue now. And so they've never had to think about what they eat. They've just mm-hmm. probably eaten pizza rolls and ding dongs and Twinkies <laughs> and whatever. And yeah. they've been the best at their sport. Um, so it's helping them understand like, yeah, I get that. But now, like, the playing field has really risen. Yeah, you're not the best anymore. Right. Everybody here was the best. So Mm -hmm. what are you going to do to kind of elevate your game and just Mm -hmm. helping them understand that nutrition is a piece of that? Like, you control this piece of your performance. Yeah. um, And that can help elevate your performance. So so let's do that. That's that's the goal. That's awesome. It's great. You're just, like, really good at knowing. I mean, you know your population of people. I, mm-hmm. What I was going to say was I was thinking like, as you're talking, we should be doing all of these things in the hospital too. It's not like, yeah, you know, what you're saying, you're not going to take some, I work in cardiac surgery ICU. You're not going to take some farmer who's been eating steak and eggs every meal and potatoes his entire life and say, okay, like you need to go vegan because you just had a cabbage times five <laughs> and an AVR, you know, like right. it's just not going to work. And sometimes I think, you know, it just gets thrown in their faces and then forgotten. Because right. like mm-hmm. this, like who's going to do that, you know? So like you need to make adjustments to people's lifestyles and their personalities. And some just aren't going to stop smoking that pack of cigarettes per day um, yeah. and whatever. <laughs> but like what you're saying is very relatable all, all across. Like there are just certain things that people won't give up. And I love your argument about being the best, you know, like <laughs> do you, like you've always been the best. Do you want to continue to be the best and optimize what you have? to like the utmost level or do you want to just sit back and like hope that you can you can play <laughs> yeah but, yeah so do you think is it more is it mostly like a female dominated profession in the sports world as a dietitian it's definitely female heavy just because dietetics is very mm-hmm. female heavy I think yeah. I graduated with two guys uh when I graduated in a class of like 100 so mm-hmm. oh, wow. it's definitely a female heavy profession but sports nutrition is probably less so but still yeah. very female heavy is I think how I would put it I mean I don't know the percentage if you just were to ask me like what is dietetics yeah. male to female I'm sure the ratio is a little bit more even in sports mm-hmm. nutrition but still skewed towards females now, can you even specialize further to like runners, distance runners, football players? Like, can you specialize further if you want to, to for dietitians? Not formally. So mm-hmm. there's not, there's not a certification or credential that you could carry around football nutrition, for instance. But I will say that people are starting to be more specialized um, just because we've continued to grow. And so football is a great example. There are more and more football only dietitians. Okay. Um, so a university might have four or five dietitians on staff. One of those people is just doing football. 
Okay. It's not across the board yet, but it's more and more common. Um, and then of course you have NFL. So oftentimes NFL is take, you know, if they're hiring and they're looking at people who've done it, they're looking at the dietitians who've worked football at that university. Um, so, so yeah, that's probably the closest, closest example. Um, and there are definitely dietitians out there who work specifically with, you know, endurance athletes Mm -hmm. or ultra endurance. Um, so I think a lot of people tend to eventually kind of specialize in some fashion, but not formally. Is that something you'd like to move forward into like working with like professional athletes as opposed to college level? That's a good question. I I've actually had a couple opportunities and obviously turned down as I'm still sitting here in my Purdue shirt. (laughs) You Um, love Purdue. You love Purdue. It's hard because I mean, professional, there's definitely an allure of, you know, no, that's fancy. They probably have crazy budgets, um, you know, a little bit, a little bit more, um, freedom in some ways like that, um, budget you're working with the most elite athlete in that sport. I think that kind of alert is cool. Um, for me and why I'm still at Purdue, at least at this moment is I really do like the variation that college provides. Um, I love working with my football guys, but I also love working with my soccer girls, Mm -hmm. um, and, and volleyball and basketball. Um, (laughs) but yeah, I like, I like seeing kind of the different, um, stuff that you're presented with in the collegiate setting. And I've just really always been fascinated with this time of life that they're in. Um, I love the, the life skills piece of it. Not that you can't do that with professional athletes too, but college is such a moldable time where they should Mm -hmm. really be learning like how to be an adult (laughs) on their own. Um, so yeah, I like, I like some of those challenges that that presents. That just, I, I, it's, it is crazy. You know, you're getting old when you're watching the Ravens uh, Browns game and you're thinking, God, Lamar Jackson is a child. Like he, (laughs) how do these 22 year olds end up being starting NFL quarterbacks? And so like, thank God you guys exist. Like, I hope he's gotten Mm -hmm. coaching on life because I think to myself, like, how do they even get by? And then we have Baker Mayfield on the other end of that too. Like, I just think like, how do these people end up functioning in real life past college? Like they like, you have to grow up so fast or like, you know, I don't really think Baker Mayfield has grown up very fast, but that's, that's fine. But still like they need help. Like I'm so glad that there are people actually like helping them and maybe even more so the people that, as you mentioned, like don't go pro need more help right. than the people yeah. that are. I'm curious what you think like is the biggest misconception around dietetics. Hmm. I know it's really general, but I mean like people think that like, you know, especially in the NICU, all we do is hold babies. And you say like, oh, any other nurse, like, oh, they're just giving like sponge baths and like passing out meds. <laughs> right. <know? laughs> like, totally. Yeah. I think it depends on obviously your setting. So yeah. when I'm a, when I was a clinical dietitian, I'm sure I would have had a different answer, but now in sports nutrition, I think probably the biggest misconception is that we're like the smoothie ladies Oh my yeah. God. <laughs> or smoothie guys, not to be sexist. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, because food service is a big piece of our job. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I try, we try really hard to make sure that what we're doing is like providing a level of care that you need a credential for. Mm-hmm. Um, so while the food service is a piece of our job, 
I think for sure, like, that's why I like to delegate that to students and interns and things to get them that experience. But at the end of the day, like, I don't need to be sitting there wrapping the bagel or making the smoothie Mm -hmm. or whatever. But there's times you have to do it. Um, Either you don't have student help or you just want to get some FaceTime with your guys or girls um, and getting them that smoothie that's customized to them and that they'll actually eat like cool. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's definitely a misconception, I think, within sports around that food service piece. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it's just kind of on us to make sure that we're educating people that, yeah, that's a piece of it. Um, But we're doing all this higher level stuff too, that you need the credential for. Right. Wow. We recently, we had two athletes actually within a few weeks of each other break their jaw. And that was just kind of, I mean, it's obviously miserable for them, but I thought it was kind of a cool application of like being the smoothie lady. (laughs) (laughs) It actually was all they can have. (laughs) Right. It was kind of like a fun challenge, if you will, of like, okay, like how can we get enough calories for you in what you can do? Mm. That you can just sip through a straw. Yep. And like working with our chef to thin stuff out enough so that they could still come by the dining court and get something that wasn't just a smoothie or a milkshake or whatever. Yeah, you you can get some soups, some <laughs> thick hearty soups. Well, not too yeah. thick, but you know. <laughs> Is that one of the crazier things you've seen that you've had to use like your skills had to try and figure out like I mean, he's got a busted jaw. He literally can only drink things. That's definitely up there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like I said at the beginning, I think definitely medical nutrition therapy works its way in. Like the diabetic athletes, that's yeah. a challenge for sure. And like traveling with them. I travel mm-hmm. with football, for instance. Yeah. So navigating some of those challenges. Oh, and I bet like thyroid disorders and stuff too. Yeah, we see thyroid for sure. Food allergies and just mm-hmm. making sure that, I mean, we have mass food service production going on yeah. with a bunch of children in some ways, um, smearing peanut butter all over everything. And so we definitely have some higher level like administrative kind of thoughts around like okay how do we manage this how do we provide options for food allergies but still provide adequate options for everybody else I'm so glad I'm not allergic to anything oh I I can't imagine being someone that's like has a peanut allergy now these days and it's just like so hard (laughs) yeah for real really suck I have one which might be a good like closing question or to wrap everything up With your Instagram account and what you're doing, what is your overarching goal with your book? And like, what do you really want to say with what you're doing? Is it pure education? I love your Instagram, Yeah, it's great. Your Instagram is great. Or is it um, education regarding what dietitians do? Or like, what is your overarching goal that you want to tell people? I think overarching goal is definitely, I mean, it's a little bit of like a tier Mm -hmm. system in my mind, but I think definitely one of my biggest goals is to help athletes transition Mm -hmm. um, and help them understand that there are resources out there, what normal human life looks like and how they can navigate that. So that's definitely a big goal of mine. And probably just under that, um, that I think kind of fits in with that a little bit too, but is just fighting diet misinformation or nutrition Mm -hmm. misinformation. Um, Easily, easily the hardest part about our jobs uh, mm-hmm. is the wor- the world that we live in now filled with people who eat food. So they think they're an expert. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. And so that's, that's definitely, especially with my social media is 
that's one of my big goals is just helping people understand and navigate that and be a voice of actual educated information, um, science backed information. Um, because I just think there's so much bad information about nutrition out there that I, my hope is to be a voice for good nutrition education. I I mean, it's so needed though. Like there's, everyone's comparing themselves and I'm totally guilty of it too, to what this like Photoshop person looks like on Instagram. And I'm like, there's all these like fad diets. And it's like, I honestly don't know what to eat for myself. And I'm struggling with that. (laughs) I've been on so many different diets for short and long periods of time. And I have felt no different on any of them. I have cut caffeine. I have cut alcohol, sugar, gluten, dairy, I mean, you go down the list, I have cut it out. And I honestly feel no different. And people are like, Oh, I feel like a million bucks when I cut this. I've been vegan for like a period of time. I don't nothing truthfully Even just trying works to keep for me. things like balanced. Right, exactly. Like, and I just like, my what the hell am I supposed to like do? This. Like, <laughs> like, I, I don't get it. So it's great that that is, is one of your your missions yeah. too. I just, I don't even know what to do anymore. There's so much information. I don't know what's real, what's not real, what yeah. I should do, what's good for me. Blah. You should write another book for the, the regular common person. woman. <laughs> yeah. The regular person. Like what in the hell do we eat? That's what you could title it. And we will we'll promote the shit out of that too. <laughs> yeah, we will. That's for sure. That's for sure. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Cause I'm just like, I trust you. <laughs> yeah. Right. I know. I can just, you have a nice trustful face or tr- uh, truthful face. <laughs> and then all say. the degrees behind your name too. I'm just like, no, like you actually know what you're talking about. And that's really relevant too on your Instagram. And you've done a really good job on that of like the lay person can understand it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know, it's not overly complicated. Yeah. So we'll be good sure to, to link that in our show notes. Where, Where can we find you? Like what's your blog, book, Instagram, Twitter, whatever. Yeah. Social media is all linked to nutrition. Book is available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Target, Walmart, all of those websites. That's so cool. It should be available on there. So, okay. yeah. All right. That's awesome. That sounds great. Did I miss anything, D? Anything else? I don't know. Lauren, is there anything else you want to add? The only thing I was thinking when you guys were talking about the latest diet whatever bad information out there is just yeah. that like how you guys feel is I feel like how everyone feels yeah and that's what's so frustrating and I just always remind people like hey everybody feels like that and whatever you do as a nutrition diet etc plan should be sustainable mm-hmm. so if you ask yourself like could I do this for six months or a year for the rest of my life and the answer is no then it's probably not great uh, yeah. for you And just remember that all of those diets and books and awful information, they're making billions and billions of dollars off of you. And your insecurities. (laughs) It it makes me, it legit makes me feel bad. Like it actually makes me feel like I am not winning in an area of my life and that Mm -hmm. everyone else is. So it, it actually makes me feel bad. So it does capitalize off your insecurities to an extent. You know, and it just sucks. Like it totally sucks. I feel like it's just yet another thing that I could be doing better, but I have no clue what to do. So, and that's exactly what they want because they want you to buy the next book that comes out or the next product that pops up on your Instagram. Oh, I could just go on and on, but um, (laughs) you'll come on for the next episode and talk about that. Okay, if you feel comfortable. 
Like, do we all need to find our own dietitian to sit down with us and be like, okay, what's sustainable for us? What our workout methods are like? Like, what's a, how do, how do we combat that? (laughs) I think definitely that's a good step for anyone that it really does want to sit down and kind of hunker down and say, okay, do I need to make changes to my diet? And if so, what are those changes? I always recommend talking to a professional. Um, Yeah. And not the dude at the gym. Or you know, not the GNC counter. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's another, that's another really important message that I would say is to understand the difference between nutritionist and dietitian. Um, yeah. That's easily our biggest pet peeve is when people call us nutritionist because it requires no credential to be one. So if oh. everyone wants to leave today and call themselves a nutritionist, you can because there's no credential required. Wow. Um, so you should always look for the RD credential if you want to talk to a professional about it. Um, but yeah, past that, like I said, just trying to choose sustainable things. If it comes mm-hmm. in a pill form, a shake form or whatever form, yeah. probably not sustainable, um, which is a whole different soapbox in regards to supplements. Um, yeah. And in, I think for people's Instagrams, like I always encourage people to just unfollow anybody that makes you feel insecure or makes you feel bad about what yeah. you're doing or just causes more questions and confusion. Like, see ya, delete mm-hmm. that. <laughs> Ain't nobody got time. I like that. Love that. <laughs> I like that. Delete it. Yeah. <laughs> right, D? Yeah, it's totally okay. I unfollow <laughs> people all the time. I do And too. I refollow people. It's fine. I do too. I do too. <laughs> when I'm feeling better, I'll follow them again. <laughs> yeah. Well, Lauren, thank you so much for taking the time and coming on the podcast. I'm really excited for people to hear this episode because we don't just, we don't just cater to like nurses and doctors. Like we really want to showcase the whole scope of like healthcare and the different avenues that are available to women in healthcare. So you're a badass and I'm just, yeah, keep doing, you're a freaking gift. Keep (laughs) going. that's, That's awesome. Well, I appreciate it. And you guys are awesome too. I love that you're trying to highlight women in healthcare because it's definitely, I think, not done enough. So you guys rock right back. I agree. Thank Thank you. you so much. All right. As always, you guys can go and find us on all podcast platforms, the WOMED. You can like, review, follow, subscribe, all the good things. We really appreciate it. Um, You can find us at The WOMED on Instagram and The WOMED Podcast on Twitter. And we're out. WOMED out. Have a good day, everybody. See ya.